and sit down. Um, for everyone watching, you might be wondering what is up with all of the timers and countdowns. And to that, I say fair enough. What is up with all of the timers and the countdowns? I am Braxton Voorhees. I'm here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining in, even though we had to start a little bit late. Um, but since we did, we can just get into it. I am curious, did everyone or anyone catch the premiere of the Liberty 101? It was a pretty good episode, and I do have to say that um, everything about it is very easy on the eyes. I like their color schemes and all of that, and uh, I think she had a great time, and I hope she did, and uh, we're really looking forward to that moving on. As far as sponsors go, first and foremost... By far the most important and beloved is not a real libertarian podcast. Um, if you're a fan, you are lucky enough. You can get us on everything. You can find us on Twitch, Twitter, uh, The Bird, as today's youth call it, Facebook, Apple Podcast, Anchor, YouTube, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Um, that's just a long way of saying everywhere. You can find us everywhere. And, man, I have a special thing to do for the Royal Green, but my plan is to do it with Will, and Will's never here. Um, I think I'll give him one more try, maybe next week. But uh, until Will comes, we do have... 
book three of the Royal Green series by Jack Casey. Um, three incredible books by an incredible author. You can get them on theroyalgreen.com. They come in paperback or Kindle. A thousand years since the children of mother left the garden. The Millennium Kingdom is on the brink of civil war. Magic is forbidden by the Queen, but that will not stop the Duke Dareth. Records of the ancients are almost as dangerous as their weapons, and Her Majesty is prepared to use the elite knights of sword to intervene. Prince Jadain does not want his throne, but is even more reluctant to let his mother continue to wield its power. Carathiel, the duke's daughter, does not want her father's plans for revolution to succeed. Playing the role of spies, an arranged marriage may keep the peace, or only bring their parents closer to the edge. Archelius, captain of sword, has sworn to protect a throne he has no legitimate claim to, even at the cost of his life. Evra, orphan become pirate, wants only to reclaim her lost treasure, the prince himself. All plans are overthrown in the wake of a star falling from the sky, bringing an ancient with it. The sorcerer has returned, the garden awaits, great mother watches and beckons. There is no more time for role-playing games. Together or apart, Jadane and Carathiel will become the best hope for and the closest threat to the rule of the Royal Green. So, that is the Royal Green and what the Royal Green is about. Um, very long-standing sponsor of the show and uh, by far easily one of our favorites. Um, speaking of favorite sponsors, we do have the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, um, leading libertarians to veteran issues and veterans to libertarian solutions. It's great. It is great. And, oh, wow. I thought I thought I'd done something special, but apparently I had not done it as special as I thought I had. This will only take a second, though. Two eyes, two ears, a chin, a mouth, ten fingers, two nipples, a butt, two kneecaps. Of course, I'm talking about the Alaskan raven and the reward for its capture, all the riches in Alaska. And that's a lot of riches anyways. So follow the Alaskan Raven on Facebook. They are at Slick Crow, if you don't find them, just by searching the Alaskan Raven, although you should. And uh, what the Alaskan Raven is, is it's a meme page. And uh, also a good friend to humanity. So, I mean, hit them up, become part of the fam. Speaking of fam and people and people helping people and putting people over politics... We have James Toyer. James Toyer is another great friend of the show. He's been on, uh, I think, the Tuesday night show before. A really interesting guy. He's really trying to do his best to help. And um, you find him. His website is toyerforkentucky.com. 
And that's all of our ad reads. Today we have a pretty special episode because my friend Will and I, um, seems like we've not been, yeah, I guess we missed last week and then we were on the week before that, but we missed a few before that. So it's been a long time coming. Um, I think Will, I don't know if he wanted to announce it himself or not, but Will won the lottery uh, two weeks ago. So he might be leaving not only us, but the entire Libertarian Party um, just to pursue his own personal wealth. And oh, I didn't realize that was on the screen. <laughs> I know you didn't. <laughs> that was by design. No, Will didn't win the lottery. Not literally, uh, but just the lottery of life. I got engaged to a beautiful woman, and I think that that's a lot better than the lottery. Oh, yeah, he did. What's up, dude? Good to see you, first of all. Thank you, bro. Good to see you, man. Not much. Been a crazy day. Um, how is life? How are you surviving the dystopian nightmare that is current American society? Um, the dystopia has not reached rural Oklahoma yet. That's true. That's probably true. Good for you guys. Yeah. So wh- how is it bad up there yet? No, it's more just the information that I'm concerned about. The inf- um, how do you mean? Fuck, there's an ant on my desk. That's a bad sign. I need to get an ant. Terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, just like gas prices and the housing market and inflation and crypto, which is really less to do with it. But um, yeah, I feel like the uh, everything's flashing red this week and I'm pretty concerned. But I've said that before. So hopefully things just keep on working out and they can walk the fine line between economic collapse that they've been walking. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I don't know. Like I really, I really don't know. It's interesting to talk about. Um, I think it's kind of a boring conversation for people listening, but uh, it's not for me. Is it one of this, is it a situation where it's better to like to not know? Is it one of those situations like, Oh, if only you like deleted Facebook and never watched the news, would you be happy or is stuff happening that you'd actually want to know and try to be ahead of? Yeah, for, for what's happening right now, I would definitely want to know with the financial mm-hmm. markets and the economy. I think that that's, that's something I would want to know about. With COVID, I could have left COVID off of internet the entire fucking time. I would have been completely happy and blissful. True. Um, but yeah, this this I would like to know about. And I think, I think you know, um, it's, it's like even if you didn't like turn your phone on and you paid at the gas pump, you'd figure it out. You know, what do they say? Politics will take a concern in you even if you don't take a concern in politics. So I like the shirt. Is it that was a a minor league baseball team in Korea? It's major. Over there, it's professional. Um, over there, you know, so South Korea is the uh, it's about the size of Indiana. So uh, it's really small. So the sports, there, it doesn't really make any sense to divide it up into regions because they have mm-hmm. so few regions, anyways. So the you know major corporations are the ones that own the baseball teams. So the game I went to was the Kia Tigers versus the, I believe it was the Doosan Bears. Doosan, I don't know what their main goal is, but I see them on like industrial, like uh, construction equipment. Like, you know, I've seen some like floodlights and generators and kind of like, you know, industrial slash yeah, construction equipment. Yeah, that's Doosan. The Samsung Lions, obviously Samsung's oh. huge. Cause Samsung's- why do I do that? Like why, what's wrong with, uh, you know, blatant advertisement? Blatant it's blatant nationalism. Blatant. We that. want to be the no 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 no. I'm saying that's why we don't. The New York Yankees people would rather support the New York Yankees than the uh, Baskin Robbins Yankees, even that's though that's true. what it is. You know what I mean? 
but at uh, least at least that's like honest about what we're yes. doing whenever we're paying those companies you know i agree yeah no i agree but yeah this is obviously and also Yi sung yay was a uh, it's a very prominent figure in korean history uh based on the conver- the last conversation we had before this i'm turned this into a korean theme that's okay i was i was I driving down the highway today this morning and i was like looking at the billboards and thinking about how much naked space there is on like overpasses and things like that where you we could utilize it for advertising you know right mm-hmm. so then i thought about it because people complain about billboards a lot so it's like where is the balance between um a free market and like beautification and aesthetics of a city because you know for some people they don't care but for me when i see a billboard i think hey that billboard gave two people a job at least oh for sure you know, it's it's like it's a great sign. Every time there's an advertisement, somebody's thriving. All know. right, so yeah, this is a good conversation. So the market will actually decide, you know, b- between the billboards and the beautification because you'll see people, you know, kind of like whenever you listen to the ad on Spotify, and it'll be like, hey, now we're going to give you 30 minutes ad free because you listen to this Geico commercial. Verizon can put up a billboard, be like, hey, next five miles, no advertising, but this is us. That's a fucking great idea, dude. I know. Holy shit. I know. See the market, dude. That's a fantastic free market solution. I was channeling uh, Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp, when he was on Joe Rogan, he was talking about how it shouldn't be the Brooklyn Bridge. You know what I mean? It should be like the Verizon Bridge. And uh, Joe Rogan is even worse than he is now. So he was absolutely uh, against that. Yeah, throwing a fit. But uh, I was like, dude, Larry Sharp is the man. And yeah, so I was channeling him for that one. Because, yeah, he has the same idea. You make, you know, this company responsible for, like, the repair and upkeep and tolls and whatever else. And in exchange, they get, you know, the naming rights and also all the advertising rights. And imagine, like, your idea, if there was a commercial. You're watching TV, right? And a commercial comes on and they're like, this is brought to you by Baskin Robbins. We bought the next two minutes of commercials. Here's your program again. I'd be like, I'm about to spend a lot of fucking money at Baskin Robbins. Thank you. (laughs) Think about that. I think that's a great idea. I'm going to. Absolutely. Advertising to not advertise, not advertising yeah, to advertise. Well, dude, I'm glad I see uh, most of my millennial brethren agree with me. Like whenever you, uh, whenever you are watching YouTube and there's an unskippable ad, that just makes me hate the product. Thousands you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm going to boycott it. So yeah, uh, it's like negative advertising, if you want to call it that. I mean, I have premium because I'm living in 2022. But no, I'm just kidding. Dude, YouTube Premium is actually the – if I had to give up every streaming service I own, that's the last one I would give up, 100%. Really? Why is that? Um, I just – I use it a lot. With YouTube Premium, you can, you can um, like, turn the screen off, and it still yeah. plays the audio. So there's yeah. so many videos I just want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so, like, with podcasts and the news and, like, music, it's just so useful to be able to do that. Um, and do other things on your phone. So to me, that's just like invaluable. And then plus the not having ads thing is nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But I just feel like YouTube's like such a valuable resource. It's so much fucking information on there. Like, you know, Netflix and things like that are cool, but YouTube is like an encyclopedia streaming service kind of. Honestly, dude. And uh, this might be, you know, you might be able to drop a significant amount of knowledge on me just here and now, but um, listening to my, uh, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know, I was going to say my bro or something, but listening to Dan Holloway talk about, uh, he thinks corporatism is one of the biggest threats to America. He thinks it's as big of a threat as uh, communism. And What does uh, he think corporatism is? What we think corporatism is. But basically, okay. he said, you know, like, yeah, you know, the dirty side of it, not just the fact that corporations can exist, you know what I mean? And sure. I know the libertarian position is, uh, you know, for the most part, until they get really uh, kind of, 
until they get really nasty, the libertarian position is almost like, well, it's not really their fault that this uh, like avenue exists for them to influence politicians. Like it's the government's fault, which I mean is sort of true. But um, no, he he regards corporatism the same way we do. But uh, he he can go on a really good rant about it and why it might be you know a bigger threat to the United States than communism. Everybody's mad about like you know the pink-haired college communist, but corporatism he says is a lot more sneaky. And it just really takes away a lot of your like freedom and a lot of your choices kind of like in the shadows. You don't even realize it's happening. And uh, it gets almost to like a tinfoil hat point when they talk about, uh, you know, I think American home ownership is the lowest it's been like in a mm-hmm. very, very, very long time, like mm-hmm. very long time. And, uh, you know, basically these big corporations are buying all this real estate from people and then just turning it into rental properties. So it's kind of like compounding, like less people want to buy homes because the market is, you know, a real pain and everything. And we kind of grew up during the housing crisis. And then, um, also these people are, yeah, they're kind of buying homes for above market and then just renting them out, not turning around and selling them ever. So just private ownership is, uh, going away. But he, uh, like I said, he just gives a really good rant on why corporatism is a bad thing. Have you seen, Oh, this is the video. Have you seen the reason I wanted to bring this up? There's a, there's a really good video that Russell Brand does. Have I shown you that? about the the housing crash and stuff no i've not seen it do i need to yeah i'll send it to you right now um i'll watch it's that. called the great reset i'll post it in the links too for everybody yeah um, you shared that to like our little group and uh, i've yes. been meaning to watch it is it is it too tinfoil hat like no it, it's no. literally the abs- russell brand's not like a tinfoil hat guy he's like a leftist right. like mainstream fucking dude which is why this is so shocking to me Right. But it's basically about the World Economic Forum, which if you don't know who that is, they're basically the Federal Reserves. Um, they're like the entire global – Carl Schwab, right? Isn't what? it Schwab? Carl Schwab or – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carl Schwab. Yeah. Good job, dude. But, I'm really impressed. Yeah, Justin Trudeau, uh, uh-huh. Macron. Like basically, yeah, there's world leaders from almost every country that are in on it. So Right. It's essentially all of the elite bankers lobbying face for the world essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but they released this video and it's like talking about sustainable future economics and stuff. And it's like, in the future, you will own nothing and be happy. And it's yeah. like super cringy and creepy. And you're like, what do you fucking mean? I'll own nothing. And then you saw Carl, was it, uh, Carl Schwab recently said that, um, basically property ownership is, is not sustainable in the future. A fucking billionaire sitting there saying that property ownership is not sustainable, guys. We're all going to have to give up our property here. Not me in my lifetime. I'm keeping this shit, but everyone else, it's not sustainable. Just absolutely soul-lurking. Well, um, dude, like, yeah, honestly... Banks are trying to buy up the housing market and make everybody into renters, that's for sure. This is kind of a terrible idea because I'm just going to make myself look pretty stupid because this is this is the same problem everybody has. Whenever I get a little bit of information, that's when I'm like really dangerous because then I just feel like I want to just talk on it and expand on it without actually researching it further. But, um, you know, the <laughs> not same. the newest, but, you know, man, what is it? Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie. I did not know Russell Crowe. Oh, Kevin is it Kurt Russell. No, Kevin no, 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 no. No, definitely not Kevin Costner. This came out when we were in like high school. It's either Russell Crowe or it's Russell Crowe. Yeah, I get him. There was a Russell Robin Hood movie when we were in high school. Dude, it's really good. I'll send it to you. It's really good. What the fuck, dude, it's really good. It's really good. But uh, anyways, like whenever and you know, just also whenever it you're is Russell like, Crowe, dude, it's a good one. It's my favorite one so far. It's a really good one, and okay. it's actually a little bit. I don't know, but uh, 
whenever you look at like our founding fathers and even just like people like John Locke and uh, John Stuart Mill and people like that, you know, because something that I always point out, you know, whether it's libertarians or just people discussing politics in general, people talk about that we have, you know, the right to life, liberty and to pursue happiness. And I'm like, well, that that's not what it started as. It's life, liberty and property is what John yeah. Locke said. And that was a huge deal. Like our founding fathers literally felt like gangsters just being farm owners. You know, they just wanted to have their farms and leave everybody alone. And they felt like absolute gangsters. No, dude, exactly. The Whenever... days, owning land was basically making you fucking royalty. Dude, yeah, you were a you were a land baron basically, which you were some form of nobility. And you know, if you if you worked in whatever village or shire or you know whatever they called you know depending on you know wherever you lived, you could work the land. But unless you become like knighted, unless you do like a favor, unless you like save somebody's importance life, like depending on your last name determines whether or not you can own land. So land ownership was huge, and even today, I would say that it's not treated like a right. Because if you buy land and then just first and foremost, you have to continue to pay the government for that land for the rest of your life. That's bad enough. That already makes me say, well, you don't own it at that point if you're still paying for it. And then after that, though, but they they get to appraise it. So like they can say, actually, you bought this land for, you know, you bought 100 acres for a million dollars. But actually, we think it's worth this much so they can increase your rent. Just to their heart's content. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, is absolutely terrible. So year um, after year, it's. So, yeah, we really are. I mean, you know, the more you learn about it, the more I don't understand. I mean, I know you're not actually white-pilled. You just claim to be white-pilled, but I don't really understand why because it's terrible. Like, you know more about uh, the Federal Reserve than I do. Dude, I, I, I kind of – I'm hesitant to read those books you read just because I don't want to. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Dude, it is it is really eye-opening, but you 100% should read that book. Um, <sighs> it, it's, dude, I am still white-pilled. I am still an optimist. I do think there's a chance in change. I think that the future is libertarian. I a thousand percent believe that in my soul. I think in a hundred years that children will speak about these concepts as if they're facts, as if they're objective morality. I think that people will understand this. Um, will we might have to kill people in the meantime? I don't know. I hope you not. shared something the other day that struck me as like, oh, that's not a white pilled take, but I can't remember what it was. It might have okay. been on the OKLP. Uh, I, w- I should have. I'll, I'll look back later, but uh, I should have saved it at the time. Just yanking your chain, of course. Dude, we need to have this guy on the show, by the way. Tyler, if you're watching this still, come be on our show. Except he's not a veteran. We can have him on Not A Real Libertarian, but we can also just do it because it doesn't matter. But, dude, Tyler, he's my barber, and he's yeah. a friend, and he's Kaylin's friend. But, he's dude, he's he's one of the most knowledgeable fucking people on the banking elite I've ever met in my life. Wow. He's the one who told me to read Creature at Jekyll Island. So we should definitely have him on. We should do like a Federal Reserve episode and fucking dig into that shit. But, um, dude. That that would be a really important one. 100%. I was um, talking to Jess about this on the car ride home, but I was like, I felt like more violent in the last few weeks. Like, I feel like the the economic circumstances and stuff are just making everybody really pissed off and uh, mad. And like, dude, I don't know, man. I feel like angry lately and I don't know what's going on, but. how do you feel do you think that that's accurate do you feel like there's a like a collective burden on everybody right now yeah of course big time big time do you feel like like that your like underlying anger and like aggression is connected to it yeah to an extent i think like uh, i think i do have the wherewithal to try to like resist that but um and actually 
actually uh that kind of ties into something just like a big thing i've been thinking of um adam kokesh mentioned it on our clubhouse uh-huh. yeah it's a pretty solid flex the libertarian party veteran caucus had adam kokesh on clubhouse but not, like not uh, much flex these days actually i think adam kokesh has burned every bridge he had but anyway oh did he i didn't hear about that dude i'm not he was, he was hating the on drama. the Mises caucus last week and just oh. sounding like a lunatic but anyway, that'll do it yeah. but well I mean, he was talking about remember the conversation was kind of like what you're talking about like hey you know uh the time's growing near to take it to make a choice and you have these evil people over here and he was like well they're not evil and it's not that he doesn't believe they're evil it's just you know look at it a different way he's like they're scared and uh, it's kind of you know it's the star wars analogy fear is the path to the dark side because fear yeah, leads yeah. to anger anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering yeah. like it really does like yeah. it really does like if you want to elevate your libertarian conscious like that's something you have to understand is uh you know and i mean yeah and he gave he gave a he gave a great talk. We could expand on that at a later time. Cause he also talked about, uh, he personally is not religious, but he says, you know, we need to be more Christ-like and love your enemies. And you think about that, you know, I like actually, cause my entire life, when I think about that scripture, I think about that means like tolerating your enemies. That means like you can't kill your enemies, but to like actually love your enemies is to kind of like stay in the conversation and work with them. But I think if you did that in like a political setting, people would understand that um, it is a pair. That's one way to get the red and the blue to understand that it's a paradigm shift, that we have the best principles is by like truly loving your enemies. If someone's screeching and going on a rant about why healthcare is a right and blah, 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 for you not just to be like, well, I don't agree. So, you know, sought off. Uh, if you actually stay in that and like really reason with them, I think that's how we get them to understand the paradigm shift is by like, actually loving them, treating them like they are brothers and sisters, which is not fun. It's not something I really want to do, to be honest. You're but, a thousand uh, percent correct. You it's not just, nail. I know I got a nail. Oh, wait, <laughs> it's fate. Um, Hannah Cox was at our convention, you know, and she talked about um, Dale Carnegie's book, how to win friends and influence people. Have you ever read that? I have. So, read it. I own it. No, I've not actually read it, but uh, but yeah, I actually have. Is that Michael Scott? You bet. All day. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but she was talking just about the importance of reading that book because we need to be able to reach people and like really focus on that human to human strategy and put politics aside. And no, we can't win arguments. How do we bring people in? Um, yeah. So I think you're 100 percent right, dude. My question is, for libertarians, how can we? expand the non-aggression principle because here's the thing basically libertarians don't believe that being a dick is morally wrong or at least shouldn't be illegal right we recognize everyone's right to be an asshole so how do we expand the non-aggression principle to help libertarians understand that being an asshole is still bad even if it should be it still should be legal you know, well, it's hard because a lot of people are sick and part of it, like even the people on our own team, the people that we love and love having conversations with are sick for the reasons you were just talking about. Just all kind of like the angst and all the anger and the uncertainty and uh, just all the stuff you're talking about. There's lots of people on every side, even the right side that are sick. So it's very hard. And because the whole point, the libertarian position only works if um, people are allowed to be dicks, but they look bad for it. But if everybody is just running around, you know, with their heads on fire, just, you know, autistically screeching, um, we're, we're missing that aspect of it. You know, we there don't want to be a world. culture. There has to be a morality. There has to be social norms. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what, yeah. So that, I think that's the key to that. You know, the world's just so crazy right now. You know, like I said, yeah, we do. That is the position, but you kind of have to hold up both ends for it to come out good. 100%. That's exactly right. Um, Sorry, I was just going to say today, I was also thinking just about, um, oh, fuck. Nope. It's gone. I hate, dude. That happens to me on podcasts like so much more than it does. Same. That, and I can't think of words. What? Wait. What were you just saying? Maybe it'll come back to me. Just you asked. You know, like the libertarian position is people should be allowed to be dicks, and that's true. But the point about it is they're supposed to look bad for doing so. But if like the rest right. of the society is not viewing that as a bad thing, then yes. it's just not going our way. So I was just kind of thinking along those lines. We're talking about like the morality and social norms. I was thinking this morning about how basically culture is insurmountably more important to republicans and democrats than politics is they don't know that they think they care about politics but they don't they just care about culture and how we need to figure out some way to like separate those two things so that they somehow don't think that like voting is like making transgender people more respected or less respected because that's literally what republicans and democrats think voting is um but yeah, I was just thinking about that. Basically, like libertarians care about politics more than culture, and both Republicans and Democrats care about culture more than politics. So we need to figure out how to kind of tie those things together, how to make ourselves a cultural movement. That's what we need to do. We need to build yeah. a stronger culture. It's so weird because to be successful, we have to be like truly multifaceted. Like we need the people that are actually good, like at politics, like the people like Spike, uh, the people like uh, Dave Smith. I mean, to a pretty good degree, uh, people like Larry Sharp, like uh, we need some of those. Right. Well, because I remember and this goes back. I thought of this whenever you whenever you went to that Alta City Council meeting and you're like, Mm -hmm. dude, this is terrible. And you mean you had the conversation about that? Like, you know, this is not where we're looking at, you know, for the immediate future. But remember when a spike went to Russell, Kentucky, remember what he did to that city council group, dude, that was beautiful. Like if we could do that, like, you know, we'd be singing a slightly different tune, but you know, we need people like that. We need people that, you know, are good on the culture side. We need people who uh, can and will enact violence. Cause right. There's a time for that. Um, you know, there, there's certainly a time for that. There's a lot of things we've seen on the news where we've said like, well, they shouldn't have necessarily, uh, you know, this is not something you really treat with violence. And then there's been even more things where it's like people should have been, you know, uh, burning buildings down in the streets over this. So, I mean, that's a facet of it. It's a very multifaceted thing. And, uh, yeah, Democrats and Republicans both suck on it. So, I mean, like, we need some people that do play their game. We need some people that don't play their game. Like, it's a multifaceted thing, and we could see it in our lifetime. Um, we could be we could be behind it all. I told you I had the idea for the Jaeger caucus uh, like a year ago. The, the hunt, Is it a hunting caucus or a drinking caucus? Well, it's – so I can see why you'd think either one of those. But it's basically kind of like the be- the thing that I like most about the Mises Caucus. It's basically the Mises Caucus on steroids, and it's also a lot smaller. It's more of like a skeleton crew type Mises Caucus, and it's named after Aaron Yeager, the Attack Titan. Right, duh, okay. But yeah, but it's basically the Mises Caucus on steroids. It's basically the people who want to roll up their sleeves and actually get stuff done. But, uh, well, I say on steroids, no, on methamphetamines. <laughs> That's more Aaron, Aaron Yeager-like. Exactly. Um, or is it about breaking the sound barrier? What is this caucus about? That Shut was my grandpa's. Yeah, it was my grandpa's best friend. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, they might have known each yeah. other, but I shouldn't say yeah. that because I don't know that they did. I thought I thought I remember you telling me that they knew each other. That's cool. Um, yeah, dude. So it's super hard 
I'm 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 literally learning this lesson right now as you're telling me it. So let me explain to you how I've learned this lesson. So I'm the chair of the Libertarian Party of Oklahoma. That being said, I have not gone to a single bylaw meeting and I refuse to. Um, I'm I'm the proxy vote to break a tie. And I told them if they ever have a tie, call me and I'll come. They can explain to me the situation then and I'll decide something. Like but, Master Chief. Sure. I like that. Uh, but I don't care about bylaws and I don't care about organizational structure and I don't care about internal operations at all. I can't make myself care about it no matter how hard I try. But there are people who are really good about those things like Sharice Norton and, and you know people who are more organizational. Just those are the things they can do naturally. Um, I just want to yell at people and be mad and talk to people and stuff. So you're so right. And I feel like something that's when you said we need to get the people who are good at politics like Spike Cohen and Dave Smith. It immediately made me think of that because it's like, well, is being good at like conveying a message make you good at politics? Or is being like a good manager what it takes to be a politician? And I honestly feel like the perfect politician is probably both, but that's really – it's hard to find that, you know? Do you, I mean, just speaking of like the mental illness, you know, I was thinking about this earlier because a lot of people, including my friend Dan, uh, you know, they say things along the lines of, you know, people who – people who want power don't deserve it. And then the people who like, we kind of need to be leaders. Like they don't want that role. Exactly. And it's like, fair enough. And that's a huge problem because like the only people who like, well, for, by and large, okay. Like obviously not a hundred percent, but 99% of people who go into politics, either number one, they have some like really bad intentions. Like I'm not saying like they literally want to bring about the new world order and like sell us all to the Illuminati. I'm not saying like that. I just mean like they want like power for themselves. Like they're doing it for personal gain. Or there's either that kind of person or the kind of person that's so dumb, um, some corporation can use them as a puppet and they can be talked into running. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. so, I mean, that's really the only two. So, I mean, like, yeah, there is like, we, there is different facets of it that we need to be on top of. But at the same time, it's kind of a fluid thing because sometimes we need to be more focused on this and less focused at this. But, dude, honestly, like, I'm very optimistic you know, can't really call myself white pilled. I am a uh, very optimistic, but, uh, you know, like just the movement with Spike and Dave, uh, Michael Heiss, um, Chris Darnell, <laughs> maybe, you know, we got, a. Uh, you know, we do have some like really great leaders, Larry Sharp. And then like, so what made me think of that was Gary Johnson. I mean, I personally liked, I know he's not like the hottest libertarian candidate we've ever had, but I kind of liked him because he was like an effective leader. And kind of like a proven leader, but he was also, you know, he wasn't like a, the, you know, typical politician. You know what I mean? Sure. He wasn't a Ted Cruz or like a Marco Rubio or even a Ron DeSantis. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was weird enough that I could be like, yeah, that's my guy. You're a real, you're a real fucking human being. Yeah. Dude, something I was thinking about today along these lines is how common it is for pastors to run for politics. Really? And I thought, what a beautiful distinction to, to show, um, that people just crave power. Like, do you think there's really some kind of tie between like being a pastor and running government? No, I think that people who like to be on the front of a stage like to be on the front of any stage possible. And the Lay Myers and the Langfords and those fucking losers Jesus. just want to just want to hear themselves talk. Tub, this is all will. This is not coming oh, from me, man. For I thought fucking Tub. <laughs> Tub is our hero, and we love Tub. And I'm sorry for saying the f word. But I think I think that to be a libertarian, it's fundamentally different. You have Tub can't go into this and be like, oh, I'm going to get all the power from the Jacksonville City Council. 
But if Tubb were a televangelist and then decided to run for his, you know, state Senate seat as a Republican, I might judge him a little harsher. But, um, dude, you know, like, well, I don't know. Sorry, I shouldn't have even brought it up. There's no reason to talk about drama, but I'm, I was hearing some interesting things about the Minnesota LP today. So, like, um, they and I actually haven't heard, you know, Bull was talking about going to their convention. He wasn't really sure what kind of reception he was going to get because he chose to run as an independent who is a libertarian. So right. like, he's a libertarian. He's just saying he doesn't want his party's endorsement. And uh, he's actually running a bad ass campaign, by the way, like uh, Bull's doing like really awesome things. And he yeah, he is a libertarian, just not seeking this party's nomination. But uh, the hey, hold on, bro. One second. Yeah. I got to go for just a sec. Yeah, you bet. So, um, Bull Johnson out of Minnesota, raise cattle, not taxes. Bull Johnson, Travis Johnson, goes by the handle of Bull. He, no, uh, never mind. You're good. The but apparently the Minnesota Libertarian Party they're not running anyone for governor this year, and uh, some people who was it was it Justin Amash? No, it might have been like Sarwark. Someone. Yeah, someone was just talking about the implications of that. Like, that might cost them ballot access in the future because certain states, that's a requirement. But, yeah, they're just – that's interesting. They're not running – they don't have a governor candidate. And, you know, that's something, too, like just, you know, like a debate you and I have. Sometimes – and correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes it seems like you look at, like, a win as a win. Like, if we have a libertarian elected, that would be such a great thing. But, like – I still think like there's a lot of there's a lot of people we see in this movement. They just want to be a big fish in a small pond. So like my only concern is like someone says like, hey, this libertarian's running for office and they have a great campaign. Isn't this awesome? My concern is like, well, dude, what if they make us look bad? Like, what if it's Bill Weld? You know what I mean? Like, I would much rather. And I mean, he's not even a libertarian anymore. Not that he ever was. I'm just saying he's not even running for libertarian anymore. But uh, I don't. I mean, do you do you think about that or do you just think a libertarian in office is a win? No, 100%. I 100% think about that. So um, hope she's not watching this, but I, I, I'm I, just going to be honest. Um, so no, I'm going to leave names out. <laughs> I did. Um, I did. I didn't say. I can leave names out of it very easy. There's somebody running for a position in Oklahoma um, who is not a libertarian. They're trying to run as libertarian. A lot of this person has a lot of attention on social media and stuff and kind of a lot of influence in the cannabis community. And so a lot of our party leaders are really pushing them hard to run, especially like the political director and the ones that like are really involved in the campaign side. Well, um, I talked to her. I know her personally um, and don't think that she would represent our ideas well based on that alone. Um, and then I, we, I talked to her specifically about it and then also decided she probably would not represent our ideas well. And then we gave her our candidate survey because we do this as the state to see if a candidate wants our endorsement. We want to see how libertarian they are. So we give them a survey. Mm -hmm. Did terribly. Not a libertarian at all. Um, She's socially liberal, but not she doesn't understand libertarianism. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, for the love of God, don't let that person run as a fucking libertarian. Like, I'm sorry. I love the idea of getting people elected, but that is bad. That does not help us. That does not make us look good. That does not champion our idea, especially the early libertarians, because that first person that gets elected better be fucking dynamite like Marshall Burt in Wyoming, you know, or like the amazing councilman we have. But if we get somebody elected on the main stage and they're shit, we're going to it's going to kill our movement immediately or at least set us back. So we should be (laughs) extremely protective of our ideas and extremely selective about who we allow to represent them. 
Mm. That's my thoughts. Because I, yeah, like, I don't know. I do not think there's any value in a libertarian winning if that libertarian is a piece of crap. Agreed, yep. man. Exactly, Tub. We need good candidates, not just candidates. And so many libertarians are like, well, let's just throw a body up there. No, let's not just throw a body up there. If they can't contribute something, then they're only hurting us because we don't want it to look like we put bodies in places. We want it to look like we've yeah, got a message course. to change the world. Yeah, and I think, you know, just a good attitude is part of it because, like, just I, I tell this all the time. You did not try to sell libertarianism to me at all. It was the funniest thing because you're literally just like, what's libertarian? Oh, you know, like prostitution should be legal. Cocaine should be legal. No borders. So, uh, you didn't try to sell it at all, but, you know, it just over the years, you know, I just came back to it. And I think that's how, you know, it just some people I, you shouldn't, you know, try to beat people over the head. But if it's someone you have a personal relationship with, yeah, don't beat them over the head with it. But uh, keep that. Keep the pressure, you know, what I mean, somewhat just keep the conversation going and uh, eventually they'll come around. And I think that's literally all it takes. And then you talk about the what's the rule? Like if you influence two people. Is it two? Is that the number? I, I know what you're saying, but I don't know the actual specifics of it. Holy shit. Where are these ants coming from, though? <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, dude, there's a few things we need to talk about. Um, I don't think we've talked about you. Uh, how did you like your chair nomination? Is it the best day of your life? It was a good day. It was a good day. Um, it's been interesting to see. Because here's, here's what, like last year, our party was super active. And not not to take full responsibility for that because a bunch of people helped me with a bunch of things. Uh, but I initiated most of the like event creation last year. Like a few other people organized things, but most of like the events that the party was at, I organized. Um, so now I'm the chair. And I feel like for me to do the exact same thing I did last year would kind of be wrong and just um, not a good reflection of real growth. So I would really like to see other people do that and me be able to empower them and enable them to do that. So I'm kind of trying to communicate that message and see um, what things other people are interested in and what issues they're passionate about. Um, but truth is, I feel like um, as of right now, I feel like it, it, it does kind of still fall on me. So I'm trying to find that balance and be like, well, um, do I have to do this every single year of my life in order for this party to be sustainable? Like, because then I don't really have to be chair. I could just be nothing and just you know protest whenever i want to um so I'm, I'm kind of at that crossroad right now is trying to find a way to lead this party in the right direction without doing the legwork myself um, which is not like it's not like i don't want to work i'm happy to be a servant leader i just don't want to um yeah i don't want to i don't think it's right for the leader to be initiating all of those things um yeah what do you got gotcha. you no that's really cool personal man. advice here well i mean like and I mean, yeah, for the sake of the party, like if if everybody else refuses to do that stuff, I do think, you know, you're kind of obligated to keep doing that stuff. Not that maybe that you should have to, but that's something you can, you know, tell people. It's kind of like, well, in the military, they tell you one thing that I actually, you know, really like most of the time. Like this isn't very anti-libertarian, but well, I mean, maybe it's just a cop thing, but everything was ask, tell, make. You know, what I mean, like if you... Uh, you know, just any situation, if someone's, you know, maybe a little bit drunk at the gate or you get called to a domestic, you are very polite and professional. Like, hey, you know, especially since, you know, for me, almost all the people I was interacting with are higher rank than me. Your first mm -hmm. step is you be very cordial. Like, hey, will you, you know, basically comply with this? And they have a chance to be a military professional and comply with that. And everything's gravy. If they don't, you tell them like, hey, you know, sorry, you don't like this, but this is about what to happen if they don't. I mean, it's literally just one ask, one tell, and then straight to make because, yeah. you know, I mean, 
Yeah. But so, I mean, I think it's kind of like that. So like, you know, you, the ask is kind of like you, you did all the groundwork last year. You set all this in motion. Now you're the chair. So now if nobody does anything, you know, I think, you know, you tell them like, Hey, you know, there's slack, you know what I mean? Like this kind of falls into your category. This kind of falls into your category. You don't have an official job, but I know the kind of person you are, you know, maybe put some stuff together. And then if that doesn't work, then I think it's, you know, like, well, now I'm just doing everything again and I'm not running for chair anymore. You know, if this is the way you guys are going to be, which it's not going to come to that at all. But I mean, sure. I would, that would be my personal recommendation is to take an ask, tell, make, and you, the ask is already there in this scenario. Yeah. You already kind of, you already set the example. Now you just wait and see if anybody follows it. And then, but yeah, dude, I mean like I, and I've not even met all of them personally, but uh, our party's pretty amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah you were talking- I'm, not, I'm not like sliding anybody or even like speaking like an overall dissatisfaction with the party. Um, yeah. I just don't want to repeat last year and that be, um, you know, yeah. I feel like there's no reason for me to be in a leadership position if that's what I'm doing, but um, we've got, We've got lots to do still. Also, what's weird is that like there haven't been Biden hasn't like done anything horrendous. Like it's almost like the war has distracted us where policy hasn't been coming down much. Um, so I haven't nothing's happened in the last four months where I've been like, oh, we gotta get on the Capitol right now for this. But last yeah. year, a lot of things happened like that, you know. So that's something yeah. to do with you. Um, fuck yeah, wait. we're gonna see you, Steve. Um, dude, by the way, I haven't smoked weed today, which I mean it is only six fifty. Um, but I'm quitting for a little, I'm taking a tolerance break. This is my CBD phase. Oh, gotcha. When did you, you were doing that? You were only smoking on the weekends. When did that come to an end? That's a good question. Um, pretty much, pretty much after moving in with Jess, I think, I think whenever I didn't live with her, I still was smoking only on the weekends, but I think when we moved in together, I started smoking on the weeknights because she does usually, I just kind of like gave in or just, it was convenience thing. Um, speaking of. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, that's the other. That's the other big change. Uh, why did you decide to like get engaged or whatever? <laughs> you know, I just realized that I love someone very much and wanted to spend my entire life with them, and oh. I felt like that was the most uh, direct way to do it. For sure, so. it was, man. Congratulations. Um, you already know that I'm happy for you, but on behalf of our podcast and all the other brother and sister podcast you know congratulations to the both of you uh you need to have her on uh, a thursday night show i'll ask i wonder if she would i don't think that she would do that but i'll ask oh yeah true but all these people over here they want to meet uh the uh future miss darty and then also you're the uh bronze medalist of an american grappling federation tournament how do you what did you think about your first tournament it was super fun, bro. Thank you for being there, by the way. It was super yeah, man, fun. I was happy to show up and kind of guide you through the process. You um, were my coach. You were there every step of the way, bro. Wiping the sweat, you know, uh, putting the wax on my eyes or whatever. They dude, do. Th- that was sick. That was a huge weekend for me. Basically, I feel like I've met all the darties now. I mean, technically, there are a few. There's like one more I need to meet that I will at your wedding. Oh, but Andy. like, I, I got to meet Andy and Theo and Oliver. Oh, well, yeah, you did. And Jason. Then, uh, yeah, Jason. I didn't meet Mr. Riggs. Um, that's true, but I met Shane and Robbie. I'd not met them before. Just, you know, that's basically crazy. just your parents. Yeah. So I, I, you know, feels like I know them. Oh dude. And yeah, like I told you, uh, your dad was telling me that you guys have cousins in Lone Grove. That's and crazy. Like, that's cool. And I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know them, but you know, he said, uh, the high, he said there's high schoolers and I was like, Oh, then my brother knows them just cause how small Lone Grove is. And I asked him and yeah, so that's, that's cool. But it was, yeah, it was really good to see the darties and it was a, it was a cool weekend. Uh, saw some Ardmore people there. 
Um, and then I've seen stuff about it on the internet since. That's why I keep sending you like those reels. What is wrong? You're still here. Hold on. Yeah. Never mind. I think I have. I had an alarm go off. I think I have a um, XCOM meeting tomorrow night. Tonight's Never Wednesday. The sixth. Okay. I know I have an XCOM <laughs> meeting at seven o'clock soon, but it's next week. We're good. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody on the OKLP XCOMs uh, watching. Anyways, they'll they'll shoot you a reminder. Well, dude, about the cousin thing, that's hilarious, but so doesn't surprise me. My grandpa, his his parents had 14 children. Two of them died at childbirth, but he had 12 siblings, or 12 total, so he had 11 siblings. So I have cousins fucking everywhere in this state, dude. Like, I meet sure. my own cousins sometimes. It's happened yeah. multiple times before. I had a cousin who worked at the school I went to when I was in elementary school and, like, figured out she was my cousin. My next door neighbor in my parents' house is related to us. We didn't know that until like five years after living there. Did you see that picture I took by a darty sign the other day? Um, where was that at? It was on the way to Lawton, but it was like Tuttle area. Okay, then like yes, that. then so yes. I posted yeah. a picture of it. And then one of my aunts commented, and she's like, "Oh, that's Joe's Street." And I was like, "Of course it is." <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I I almost feel it. I think that's probably uh like maybe left over from uh the mother country, right? Are they Probably. real Irish? Lots of babies. Yeah, I guess. And then that is that is pretty amazing, like to really think about how easy that is if you have, you know, twelve technically, like fourteen or twelve siblings, like a few generations, everybody can spread out and then also come back together and like everything multiplies. I'm you know, in a similar like both of my grandparents on my mom's side, they both have six siblings, which is a whole lot. That's a lot. But um they actually stopped having kids. So I, I only have I have a ton of second cousins and a ton of third cousins, but I only have two actual. I only have two first cousins. Damn. Yeah, because yeah, there was a generation there where I was the I was the first kid in quite a while. What? Yeah, I was the first kid in quite a while from my mom's generation. Her uncle has uh, three sons that are all about my age. Um, <laughs> you would get along with Trey really well, um, but Chase and Brent are also cool. But anyways, yeah. So they're they're about my age. But like from my mom's generation, it will, and same thing. Her cousins that she grew up with, they're a little bit younger than her though. But they're they kind of yeah, they had kids that are younger than me. So I was like the first kid from my mom's generation. So I was kind of like everybody's grandkid, which really benefited me when I was little. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so yeah, you were have, like a little brat. I seen your picture at your grandma's house. They they loved you. They were all yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's really neat. And yeah, every time I see a darty, you know, I wonder. If that's uh, from your kind of darties, dude. Also, I've been listening to as far as podcast goes. Jack turned me on to this one. Um, it's called Star Wars Theory, and he really undersold it. He's just like, "Oh, it's cool. I listen to it all the time." Blah 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 blah. I was like, "All right, I bet it is cool." No, dude, it's amazing. I know everything about Star Wars now. It would blow your mind. I know if it's canon, if it's legends, if it's from the comic books. I know everything about Star Wars. The uh, the ninth movie was supposed to be so much better than it was, dude. I don't even know which one the ninth movie is. Well, so like I, I didn't hate the sequels, which is what they call like I didn't hate seven, eight, nine. Like seven I enjoyed watching, and then eight and nine were kind of like eh. I, I enjoyed seven. Like I the you know, a solid critique is that it's basically they kind of just redid four. They kind of just recast it because literally they have like the Death Star, but now it's in a whole planet instead of a space right. station. You know what exactly. I mean? So like, yeah, it's you know, there are problems with it but i thought it was i don't know i still liked it but dude the nine was supposed to be so cool i got mad that they brought back you know the emperor was still alive um or his clone you know what i mean all that stuff was terrible i, didn't, but, I haven't um, seen those so i'm learning oh, this isn't telling me 
Oh, you've not seen. Oh, well then, which ones have you seen or not seen? I've seen seven. I haven't seen eight. Oh, well then, I I mean, I guess I I, I learned what nine was supposed to be, but it doesn't hold any meaning to you because you've not seen nine. So like, okay, at the end of uh, so one of the whole mysteries is you don't know who Ray's parents are. At the end of eight, there's a really cool fight scene, and Kylo kind of like invades her mind, and he like tells her like, "Hey, I know who your parents are." And uh, he's like, they're nobody, you know, they're, they were like drunks and they sold you for a drink or maybe, yeah, I don't take, they might not have been drunks actually because she's from a desert planet, but they might've been, but he's basically like your parents are nobody. Cause everybody was speculating who her parents are. Like, is she a Skywalker? Is she a Kenobi? There were some really good, uh, it's kind of like game of Thrones. Like there was some fan theories that turned out to be yeah. much better than what actually happened. But anyway, so her parents are nobody. But then in the ninth one, it turns out the emperor, Palpatine it's still alive there's a clone of him and right before he died in number six he like just transferred his consciousness to this clone so number one he's alive and it's like gay like you know it's not cool and then uh, that's also that's Ray's grandfather so now he got cloned to do a younger body this younger body lived kind of like a whole life of its own had kids and grandkids and yeah man it's it's weird that's, but, stupid. Uh, that's too yeah. far like yeah. when, when you're undoing what's already been done you're making a mistake it's okay to like add the things but you can't like disrespect real fans like that that's fucking terrible i agree dude but uh yeah so it was it ended up being pretty bad but i heard what the plans were for uh number nine what nine was supposed to be and it was supposed to be a lot better all that is nonsense yeah there's no emperor and uh what else yeah ray was still just nobody and um it was yeah it would have been a lot better how do you like parks and rec by the way that one episode was really great it was funny but dude i (laughs) gotta tell you i apologize my attention span is running short and uh uh-oh uh-oh and my hdmi cord is coming unplugged and the ants are swarming but i'd like to call it a day my friend thanks dude bye (laughs) asshole uh but seriously love you bro thank you to our audience for commenting tyler jenny steve tub roy uh everybody love you guys appreciate you watching all the time and we'll be back here myself and bootleg tomorrow night 6 p.m central looking forward to it you braxton Voorhees, are not a real veteran or libertarian or even human being you're probably a clone